Welcome to the Restoration Church weekly podcast. Please take a minute to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And be sure to download the Church Center app. This is the best way to stay connected and up to date with all that's happening at Restoration Church. Most importantly, we hope the following message will help draw you closer to Christ. Thanks for listening. We um we are we're going to be baptizing people here in uh, just a few moments, which is pretty cool. But I want to take an opportunity to share where we're going uh, starting next week because it does actually tie in to why we are baptizing people uh, today. Here's some some people some people ask me this like Ross what what do you do all week long like what is your role as a pastor like what do you, what do you actually what is your responsibility? And here's how I see my job description. Essentially, it's this. From the corporate, meaning like, so there's a slide for this. From the corporate, meaning us together as a whole body, Restoration Church, to the personal, meaning us as individuals. My job is to help us put Jesus more firmly at the center of our life. Like if I boil down what I want to do, what I hope to do with us as a body, you personally, I want to help you put Jesus more firmly at the center of your life. I believe, and I've experienced myself, maybe many of you have as well, I believe this is the best life possible. I I believe this is the life that God had called us to. Uh, In fact, you might know that God created us in his image, in the image of Jesus Christ. We are designed to live like Christ. Have you guys ever tried to to run like a, a remote control off of something other than batteries? Or a toy off of something other than batteries? You guys ever tried to put a diesel gasoline into a regular engine? You ever tried to throw some water in there maybe? That check engine light always comes on after it rains, right? Because water isn't supposed to be in there. When we live our life off of something other than Christ, it doesn't go well, is what I'm trying to say. When we drift, when we fade, when we go away, when we stray, when we're not aligned with Jesus Christ, life doesn't go as it is intended. And so it is my hope and my desire that we corporately and you personally would put Jesus more firmly at the center of your life. That is really all I'm trying to do. Encourage you, inspire you, reason with you as to why you should. Week after week, that is what we're hoping to accomplish. It's interesting, if you think about the corporate the corporate idea, um, for the first 300 years of the church, Jesus, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, that was firmly at the center of what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. And then in 325, something really interesting happened. Constantine, he legalized Christianity. For the first time in Christian, Christianity's history, it was the Roman Empire's primary religion. He legalized Christianity. Just by being a Roman citizen, you became a Christian. And all of a sudden, Jesus wasn't at the center of Christianity anymore. You know what was? Power. Power became the center of Christianity. Money and greed became the center of Christianity. Popularity. People who are sitting on the throne and wearing the most ordained outfits. It was incredible how Christianity was transformed into something other than what Jesus had intended for it. And years after years after years, other things found their way into the center of the Christian faith. And we'll talk about many of those over the course of this next series. 
but for the personal as well. Like it's not just it's not just like the the corporate entity, the the church as a whole, that other things found their way into the center. It's for us personally as well. For for a lot of Jesus followers, it's it's not that Jesus is at the center. It's that the pursuit of wealth is at the center. The pursuit of power or popularity or body image or that house or that car or that job or whatever it may be is at the center of our life. And Jesus, yeah, you know, we, we, we attach him to the side and we carry him with us into those occupations. We carry him with us into those endeavors and we carry him with us into those opportunities. But he's not at the center. He's not what I'm chasing after. He's not my goal. And so it is my hope and my job to inspire you, to encourage you, to reason with you as to why Jesus should be at the center. So many of the reason that Jesus isn't at the center is because we are taking control. We want control. We think that's what's going to be best for us. And so we strive and we try to put other things at the center. And so many times it's just ourselves that are at the center. But Jesus said something very interesting in in Matthew chapter 6. How many of you guys know the Lord's Prayer? The Lord's Prayer by heart probably. We could probably recite it. It's interesting, right? Uh, when When we speak the Lord's Prayer, we pray the Lord's Prayer, we don't often realize that this is a prayer of alignment. What Jesus is asking for us is that you would align your heart with my heart, your mind, your soul, your strength with my heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's really what Jesus is saying. When he says, your kingdom come on earth, your will be done, man, that's a hard prayer to pray. If you are really intentionally praying, your will be done, what are you also saying? Not my will be done. No, God, I want you in the center of my life. I want you to be the anchor. I want you to be at the center of my life. And I recognize, Father, that I have drifted, that I am not aligned, that I have faded away from you. And so realign my heart. That's what you're praying when you pray the Lord's Prayer. And then Jesus says, you know, when when you do this, then provision, you know, give us this day our daily bread and and pardon. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who, who have sinned against us. And protection, lead us not in temptation. Protect us from the schemes of the evil one. All of these things will be given to you in abundance. And then after this Lord's Prayer, he goes on and he, and he parses out even further how there's provision and pardon and protection for those who put me at the center. And then he concludes this whole section of Jesus at the center of his life by saying this. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things, provision, Right? So many of us are just chasing after more wealth because we think that's where a firm foundation is going to be found. He's like, no, no, no. Guys, don't you realize that you can't trust in, in clothing? You can't trust in the riches of this world because they're all going to fade away. And they're all going to be eaten by moths. And the rust is going to take over all of it. So don't trust in the things of this world. No, trust in God. All of these things, pardon, right, forgiveness, contrition, humility, they will be given to you in abundance as well. And protection from the schemes of the evil one will be given you when you put me at the center. And so for eight weeks, we are going to be focusing on what it means to put Jesus at the center. But by how, how we're going to go about doing this is we're going to look at one chapter in Scripture, and we're going to walk through it for eight weeks. It's probably the most, honestly, prominent chapter in, in my understanding of Scripture, Romans chapter 8. It tells us how the Christian life works best, what the Christian life is, what the what the the fruit of it will be, what the promise of it will be. It's a beautiful, beautiful chapter in Scripture that is going to anchor us for the next eight weeks as we walk through Romans chapter 8 together and learn to put Jesus at the center. And so 
One final question before we move on to our baptisms this morning. Is the center of your life feel cluttered? Are there a few other things that you've, uh, you know, thrown on the back of Jesus that are hanging out with him at the center of your life? Most of us who have trusted in Christ would say, yeah, Jesus is the center of my life. Yeah, Jesus is at the center. He is my hope. He's my salvation. Yes, 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 of course, Jesus is at the center. But are there a few other things that are occupying that space along with him? You know, are we trying to, to shove him off the throne by shoving greed up there or shoving envy up there or shoving any of the things that we see that our eyes desire up there? I hope that you'll come back and join us as we go into this eight-week series starting next Sunday. One of the reasons I love baptism is because all of the people who get baptized are essentially saying, I want Jesus at the center of my life. And I have trusted in what God has done for me, and so I am putting Jesus at the center of my life. And not only that, I want the help of a body to come alongside me, to walk with me, to teach me so that I can learn. Because the truth is, all of us drift. As much as I would like to say, I never drift, that's not true, right? I can't say that. And so every day I have to realign my heart with God's heart. Every day I have to realign my mind and my mouth and my eyes and my hands with God. And these people who are being baptized are coming before us saying, I want that as well. This is what I want for my life, and I need your help in doing so. This is a covenant uh, that they're making, covenant in Scripture. Uh, and we don't have many covenants today. Marriage is the only covenant that still lasts today, that still exists today. And for most people, they see it contractually anyway. Um, if you think of a, anybody ever been to a, a wedding ceremony, most of us probably have seen a wedding ceremony. You know, two people who come, who love each other, they stand before each other, and they make promises to one another as to how they're going to live with the other person. And that's really what a covenant is. It's the, it's the making of a promise. And then you say, I do, right? They say, I do, and then they kiss each other, and it's beautiful, it's romantic, it's lovely, yes, but we're not going to have people do that today. Um, <laughs> but essentially, the same thing is taking place with baptism. You're coming for a group of people. Come for a group of people, and you're making promises about how you would like to live in faithfulness to God and under his love and under his care, under his provision, his pardon, and his protection. And then you get in the water, and you're essentially saying, I do. That's what getting in the water is, is doing, saying, I do. And you're, you're recognizing that you have died to this old self that wants myself at the center, and you're raising a new life, which puts Jesus at the center. And then from there, we encourage people to take communion, which is a... a Every time you take communion, it's, it's the restating of what you have done in baptism. I, again, am going to live my life for Christ. I, again, am going to put him at the center. I, again, am going to live for Jesus. And so we're excited to hear um, some testimonies of baptism. I'm going to encourage uh, the four people to come forward. Um, one at a time, I'll call you out. Come forward. They're going to share their story of how they came to faith in Christ. We're going to put them under the water. Come on out. I encourage you to celebrate with them because this is, as Paul wrote to the Corinthians, the old being gone, the new has come. Let's celebrate the new life that we have in Christ. Amen? All right. So is my good friend Kelly Stradling here today. She's going to kick it off for us. Hi, Kelly. Hi. Excited for you. Ooh, here you go. a lot of people here today. <laughs> Do you want to take that one? Yeah. All right. Here we go. You guys couldn't have slept in today? No? Okay. Um, so like many of you, I was raised Catholic. I was baptized as a baby, and then I made my confirmation when I was in sixth grade. 
For some reason, that version of baptism was the last Catholic thing I was holding on to. I knew my son Liam would never make his first communion, and I was okay with that. Nothing else really bothered me about leaving that religion behind, but being baptized as an adult seemed wrong or weird somehow. Over the years, I kept thinking about how I really wanted to be baptized. I wanted to make a public declaration of my faith. I kept almost asking to stand up here, but then I always stopped myself and backed out. I thought it was probably my anxiety, if you can see me shaking right now, um, because I'm not really great in huge crowds. But I had irrational fears about being baptized. Like, what if I fell flat on my face while I was walking out there? What if I accidentally knock the baptismal over and it spills all over? The water is everywhere. I cause a flood. What if the water gets into the electrical sockets and I short circuit the entire church? What if, what if, what if? But what if all of my what ifs were just the enemy whispering in my ear, causing these ridiculous thoughts? What if he knew that God's plan for me was so much greater? Today I'm choosing to say, shut your mouth, Satan, and I'm finally doing it. Today I'm choosing... <laughs> Today, I'm choosing to fully surrender my life to Jesus. To prepare for baptism, Ross had asked us to think about how our life had changed since we met Jesus. To be honest, I have never not known the love of God, but what has changed is my relationship with him and his people. I used to think that God was someone who was meant to be feared, and I definitely wasn't someone who was worthy enough to talk to him. I can remember being in confession and talking to the priest about my sins. I was either in fourth or fifth grade, and my sins were pretty minimal. After I had confessed, he had asked me if I had anything else to add. I said no, but that was a lie because I didn't want him to think I was a bad person. He told me to say some Hail Marys and go on about my day. I remember feeling horrible because I had lied and I had omitted some of my sins. I couldn't understand why if God knew my heart and he knew my sins, why wasn't I allowed to talk to him and tell him I was sorry and ask him for forgiveness directly? This feeling continued for most of my life, and it was eventually one of the reasons I stopped going to church altogether. But once I had my son, I had a strong desire to come back to church again. I searched for the right one for a really long time. When we stepped foot in restoration, I immediately felt like we were where we were supposed to be. It was more than a church. It was like a family. We were encouraged to be in a relationship with Jesus. What a mind-blowing idea that was. It was so comforting to me that he was accessible to me. My family and I came here pretty regularly, and I started serving. However, I felt like something was missing, and I couldn't quite figure out what it was. But God knew. He knew exactly what I needed. And then came the sermon on refrigerator rights and that darn buffalo video. I'm sure you all know the video that I'm talking about, but just in case you don't, Ross showed a clip of a buffalo being ferociously attacked by lions. They took the buffalo down, and it looked like there was no way this poor animal was going to make it. There was no hope for survival. But then the buffalo herd comes in and saves their own. They pummel the lions and actually make them run away and retreat. The idea was that the enemy attacks when you're alone. Maybe he's not coming for you or for your spouse, but he might come from your child. The mama bear and me immediately came out, and it was so overwhelming. It was the first time I sat in the sanctuary and openly sobbed. I mean, I full-on ugly cried, and it shattered me. 
I didn't have anyone in my life other than my parents whose refrigerator wasn't off limits. I wasn't sure who I could call in a time of crisis to walk with me and to pray with me and for me. I didn't know what I needed to do, but I knew I needed to do something. I felt like I was strong enough to defend myself against attacks, but what if I wasn't? And more importantly, what if my baby wasn't? There were my what ifs again. I'm sure Satan had hoped I didn't act on these feelings, but I prayed and I asked God to help me. I asked him how I could have those buffaloes in my life, people that were there just more than just the good time friends that we had, people that would surround us, comfort us, and love us, people that would strive to be better and do better and love everyone around them, people who would honestly try to live out the phrase, more of Jesus, less of me. God sent me on a path and sent me straight out of my comfort zone. I started getting even more involved in churches, in church, taking classes and joining groups. It felt different this time, more than just going through the motions. I'm happy to report that we do have those buffaloes now. They show up with their casseroles and their quilts, and they give us medical advice. They encourage us to join their stupid 10,000-step challenge because they know it's good for us. <laughs> they bring us immense joy and uncontrollable laughter around a campfire. They show up in a million other huge and small ways every day. They show up for me and for Travis, and they show up for Liam. And honestly, what more could you ask for? So, Pastor Ross, I humbly ask you to baptize me today, not only as an acknowledgement of my faith and my commitment to follow Jesus, but as a public declaration of love for my people. Thank you for all the ways you have made our lives better. I promise to show up for you, to carry you when you can't walk by yourself, and wholeheartedly pray for you and your families. I want to continue on this journey with you and show the world how awesome life can be when you have Jesus and a herd by your side. My name is Sammy. I'm 11 years old, and I've been going to this church for eight years. So that means I've been going to this church since I was three years old. That's a pretty long time. Um, I love this church because I've been going because all the stuff it does. I love VBS. My mom's Captain Courtney, and I last year helped. But before that, I love the activities of VBS. Plus, it's educational. I also loved helping because I got to see everybody happy. I also love Treehouse. It's something I've been going to for a couple of months, and it's very supportive of good things and bad things in my life. I also like it because the retreats give a chance just to, like, get out of your life, including no phones. These are a couple of reasons why I love, the, love this church. The reason why I want to get baptized, because in the Bible, Acts 2.41, it says, you should get baptized when you accepted Christ. I also want to get baptized to show I've accepted that I'm a sinner. My last reason is to show that Jesus is my Savior. All right, I invite Scott forward. You can clap for Scott. <laughs> Let's keep it going, keep it rolling. 
Thank you. Um, for those of you that don't know me, my name's Scott, and uh, I've been coming to, to Restoration Church for about three years, um, on and off. I used to come with my girlfriend's uh, grandmother, and um, at first I was just coming because it was something to do with her grandmother and make her happy because, you know, you love when you see the smile on her face and, um, you know, you come in and you you kind of just go through the motions and I wasn't really getting into it as much. And um, recently she had passed and um, that really motivated me to get back into the church and, um, and just kind of come in and remember her. And um, the last probably three months that I've been coming here, I've been coming consistently every weekend. And um, I really been feeling the, uh, the love and I just appreciate everybody that's, that's came out and reached out to me and wrote me letters in the mail and, and have just been there for me for my journey through to Christ. And um, the, the first time that I was introduced to Christ was probably with my, my, my best friend's dad, Mike. We were young. We were probably in elementary school, and we were like, oh, this guy's nuts. He's coming in. He's reading the Bible to us, and he's, we're like, oh, we don't, we don't care. We just want to go out and play football, and, you know, I'll just – I'll always remember him trying to push God on us, and I really, I really do appreciate the knowledge that he did give me through the Bible, and um, I want to thank Pastor Ross. I – wouldn't be here without him, you know. I, I really appreciate the the way he delivers the message, and everybody in this room, they're they're so kind, and I really do appreciate everything. And um, I'm ready to give my old my old self to to God and come back and be a new person. And I just thank you, everybody. Thank you. There we go. Is that okay? Hi everyone, I'm Claire. I've been attending here for about two years. Pastor Ross actually married my husband and I. Do you remember that? <laughs> I wasn't sure if he did. Uh, that was before we went here. We were still, my, uh, my husband and I were still in the Army, stationed in Oklahoma. I was raised in a Christian home with parents who loved me, but human love is imperfect. My parents were going through a separation while I was in high school, and my home, li- my home was not exactly pe- peaceful. So after high school, I just wanted to get away and be independent, so I joined the Army. During this time, I felt distant from God. So often we think, if I just had blank, I'd be happy. For me, if, it was, if I just stopped having acne, I'd be happy with my appearance. If I just got out of this house and could be independent, I'd be happy. If I could just find someone, a partner who loved me, I'd be happy. If we just had our own home, I'd be happy. And these are all wonderful things and answered prayers. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. The Lord has blessed me. But what I've come to realize is this. I'll never stay happy. There will always be a next thing. Happiness is fleeting, but joy and contentment come from the Lord. After my time in the Army, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I had a part-time job as a swim instructor. I taught everyone from babies as young as three months to adults training for a triathlon 
and adults with no experience in the water. I also taught some students with special needs and found I had an aptitude for it and felt great satisfaction seeing them progress. I thought God might have been calling me to be a special educator. But the Lord works in unexpected ways. One of the things I learned as I was studying to become a special needs teacher was how beneficial it is for the mother to be home for the first three years of their children's lives. All this while I was pregnant. Well, I'm almost done with school anyway. Really just a few more credits, and I can keep working part-time. Then Freya is born. Wow, babies are harder than I thought they would be. (laughs) No one told me they nursed this much and hate to sleep in their crib and cry every time you put them down. Wow, she is pretty cute, though. So I haven't finished my degree, and I don't work part-time anymore. I'm extremely blessed not to have to. And now I have two little babies. Freya is almost two, and Lily is three months. My days are full of nursing, kissing boo-boos, trying to stay calm during toddler tantrums, and lots of diaper changes. And I wouldn't change it for anything. I changed my baby's diaper and thanked the Lord that I have diapers and wipes to keep her clean. I clean the food and dirt off the floor and thank God that we have food. And then there's dirt on the floor because we were having fun playing outside in our very own yard. I hold my toddler after she hurt herself for the tenth time today and thank the Lord that it's me who holds her and soothes her while she cries. It's not always easy. But oftentimes it is. It is the most joyful, rewarding work the Lord has given me. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. Thank you. So we have this incredible opportunity as a church body to continue to walk alongside and it's not just even these four. It's everybody who has professed salvation in Christ. And so we are a church that does that. Small groups, again, are probably the best way to do that and to do it well. Uh, to Kelly's point, you need a body of people that are going to walk with you, to care for you, to surround you, to, to protect you. And that's really what you do when you're being baptized. You're, you're asking for a community to be with you in the journey towards Christ and in life. Thanks for being our friends, celebrating these baptisms. Hope to see you again next week as we begin our new series, Jesus-Centered Christianity.